Welcome to The Hub Dialogues, a podcast that celebrates big thinkers and bold ideas about a better future for all of us. I'm Rudyard Griffiths, the Executive Director of The Hub, Canada's leading source for analysis and insights on public policy. Our goal at The Hub is to escape the opinion bubbles of conventional conversation and prod our popular discourse back to the issues and ideas that can shape our collective future. On the Hub Dialogues, you'll hear Sean Spear, our editor-at-large, in conversation with some of the world's sharpest minds and brightest thinkers about the issues and ideas that they're passionate about and that they think we should spend more time focusing on. The Hub's podcasts are generously supported by the Ira Gluskin and Maxine Granovsky Gluskin Charitable Foundation and the Linda Frum and Howard Sokolowski Charitable Foundation. Enjoy this Hub Dialogue. Welcome to Hub Dialogues. I'm your host, Sean Spear, editor-at-large at at The Hub. Today, we have something of an emergency conversation about a breaking story in Canada. I'm honored to be joined by Conservative MP Michael Chong, who serves as his party's foreign affairs critic. We learned in the past several hours from reporting by The Globe and Mail that MP Chong's family in Hong Kong was subjected to harassment, intimidation, and threats from a Chinese official in the Toronto Consulate. Yet, he was never informed of these activities, and the so-called diplomat in question continues to have full diplomatic accreditation from the government of Canada. I'm grateful to speak with MP Chong about these extraordinary details and what they say about the Trudeau government's handling of reports of Chinese interference in our democracy. The next voice we'll hear is mine in conversation with Canadian Member of Parliament, Michael Chong. MP Chong, thank you so much for for joining us at Hub Dialogues. Great to be here, Sean. It's uh, Monday, May 1st, 11 a.m., and MP Chong... Uh, your name is trending on Twitter. Uh, you issued a statement about 30 minutes ago in response to a extraordinary Globe and Mail story that, among other things, reports um, that your family in Hong Kong has been targeted um, by uh, members of the Chinese state um, because of some of the positions that you've taken in the national parliament. Uh Let's just start with some basic questions. Uh, when did you learn about this and what was your first reaction? I first learned about it when the Globe and Mail reported on it. Um, in today's paper, I was contacted by the Globe and Mail to ask for comments on this report. Uh, and that was the first I heard of it. That, that's one of the things that's extraordinary about that is I understand, uh, as set out in your statement, that you actually received a briefing from CSIS in and around uh, the time period in which this uh, these developments were occurring, and yet you weren't informed of the intelligence. Do you want to provide a, a, our listeners with a bit of a sense of, of what that briefing was and, and why you think uh, you weren't informed about these extraordinary, extraordinary details that affect uh, you and your family? Yeah, yeah. You know, CSIS had provided me briefings on uh, foreign interference threat activities, particularly from the People's Republic of China, uh, but they never, ever... Uh, informed me that the Ministry of State Security of the PRC had tasked a senior diplomat out of the consulate in Toronto with targeting my family in Hong Kong. Uh, That's astounding. Uh, At minimum, I would have expected my government had a duty of care to inform me that uh, my family was being targeted specifically to try to change the course of a domestic debate about foreign policy a debate that was taking place in the House of Commons. So uh, my conclusion is that 
the PMO did not authorize CSIS uh, to inform me of this specific threat. And it's a it's an appalling abdication of responsibility on the part of the prime minister's office. I know it's speculation, but what do you think the rationale would be behind the political arm of the government interfering or intervening rather and and standing in the way of that information being shared with a, a member of parliament? And I would say one with a track record of um, of exercising care and responsibility on matters of national security. Well, I think one has to conclude when one takes a look at the totality of evidence, whether it's this specific case of of me and my family being targeted without them informing me if it's, you know, when it's the case, when you take a look at the case of Ken, MP, a former MP, conservative MP, Kenny Chu, uh, when you look at other cases of foreign interference that have involved political actors, one has to one ha- one has to conclude that there are political calculations at play here. And I think that's appalling. Um, I think it suggests that the Trudeau government will not protect Canadians uh, of differing political viewpoints uh, from threat activities of authoritarian states. Um, that has got to stop. Uh, political calculation should never trump our the government's national se- protection of national security. It should never trump the duty of protection that the government owes to every Canadian citizen, uh, particularly uh, protection from coercion exercised by authoritarian states like the People's Republic of China. We'll come to what you think ought to have happened in this case and um, clearly did not. Um, But before we get there, let me take up the point that you raised about what seems to be a, a clear effort on the part of the People's Republic of China uh, to target conservative members of parliament. Um, the uh, journalists in this case, Robert Fife and Stephen Chase, report that they've seen CSIS materials that indicate um, several examples of Chinese influence operations aimed specifically at the opposition conservative party. Uh, two questions. First of all, have you just reflect on um, on the targeting of, of conservatives in Canada by the PRC? And, and secondly, what do you think is behind that? Well, I think it's clear that Beijing is very worried about uh, the positions the Conservative Party has taken on uh, their their threats in the Indo-Pacific region and in Canada. Uh, don't, for, don't forget that it was the Parliament of Canada that recognized that a genocide was taking place against the Uyghur Muslim minority in Xinjiang province. That then led to the recognition uh, by other parliaments in the NATO alliance. Uh, and so they were very worried that we were taking a leadership position in raising alarm bells about the threats coming from Beijing. And so I think that combined with the fact that the current government has a proclivity uh, to be lax about these threat activities, to turn a blind eye to Beijing's meddling, I think the combination of those two things led Beijing to target conservatives and conservative MPs in particular. Uh, And I think that's how we got here. Um, And it is astounding that months, years after this information has come to light, the government still hasn't taken any action uh, to shut these kinds of threat activities down, particularly threat activities that are taking place on Canadian soil. It's such a good point, uh, MP John, because you're 
your statement recognizes that there may have been a justification in the immediacy of this information um, back in 2021 for the government to handle it delicately because it, it was occurring in parallel with efforts to uh, return the two Michaels to Canada. But as you just said, um, that is now approaching two years ago. Uh, and yet not only were you up until now not informed, um, but as you indicated earlier, the consulate uh, uh, official in question, who's named in the Global Mail uh, story, remains a, a fully accredited uh, a diplomat in Canada. And there's been no indication that the government, two years out, is prepared to um, effectively repeal his diplomatic accreditation. Do you do you want to talk a bit about uh, how the the timeline, in a way, uh, makes this uh, even more extraordinary? Yeah, when this information came to the government's attention almost two years ago in the summer of 2021, Mr. Kovrig and Mr. Spaber were still wrongfully detained by the People's Republic of China. So, in that context, uh, it may have been. Uh, excusable for the government not to take action against this particular diplomat who's based out of the PRC's consulate in Toronto. Uh, but mere weeks later, on September 24th of that year, Mr. Kovrick and Mr. Spaber were released from detention and returned to Canada. So at that point, uh, there was no excuse for the government not to take action against this individual. Um, it also is inexcusable. The government failed to inform me that there was a diplomat tasked uh, by the Ministry of State Security to target my family to change the course of a domestic debate in Parliament. So, I look, I, I think we have to be candid and frank about this individual. He's not a diplomat. He may be a diplomat in name, but he's a foreign intelligence officer. He's a foreign intelligence officer that's been tasked by the PRC's Ministry of State Security to meddle and coerce and intimidate Canadians here on Canadian soil. And for the government to continue to accredit and approve this individual to work in Canada, despite all the information they have about this individual, is dumbfounding. And it's obvious that this, in, that this individual should be declared persona non grata and expelled from Canada. And I would just say in parentheses for listeners, this isn't the first time this individual's name has come up in these this reporting on uh, Chinese inter election interference or political interference efforts in Canada. Uh, he, his name has been reoccurring uh, throughout these stories, which is, uh, you say, MP Chong speaks to the fact that he is uh, at his core uh, uh, someone involved in intelligence efforts uh, here on Canadian soil and yet continues to have his diplomatic credentials. Uh, affirmed by the government of Canada. Yeah. And, and more to the point, Sean, he's not just an intelligence officer. He's an intelligence officer that has been tasked by his government to intimidate and coerce Canadians here and abroad. Um, to that point, one question that listeners might have that you address both in a, a statement uh, to the Globe and Mail journalists yesterday and then um, today on, on your uh, personal social media accounts is that um, one of the reasons uh, this has come to you for the first time is you took uh, steps uh, in the name of protecting your relatives abroad to effectively break communications with them. Um, do, do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, out of an abundance of caution, I have not uh, been in contact with them. Uh, but it's 
you know, it's public information that my father was a Chinese immigrant from Hong Kong uh, to Canada and that uh, I have family in Hong Kong that's been, you know, I'm a public figure that's long been known. Um, and so for, you know, my, my situation is not unique. Um, like many Canadians, I have family abroad. And the PRC and other authoritarian states have used that fact uh, to intimidate and coerce Canadians here at home by threatening their family abroad. And so that's why the government's laissez-faire attitude uh, toward all of this, that's why it's, it's inaction on all of this, is very concerning because many, many Canadians are, millions of Canadians are in the same situation and we've become a playground for authoritarian states uh, to coerce our citizens here and undermine our foreign policy, undermine our position in the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance, undermine our position uh, in NATO by uh, using this these course of tactic, tactics here in Canadian soil. So, you know, this, this inability of the government to tackle foreign interference threat activities here really is a serious national threat. And it undermines not only our social cohesion, it undermined, undermines our fundamental rights and freedoms. And that's why the government's inaction on this is inexplicable and undefensible. You're one click away from getting access to all the Hub's best analysis and insights. Visit our website, www.thehub.ca now and sign up for our weekly email news digest. Every Saturday morning, we'll send to your inbox the cutting-edge thinking and analysis of our smartest contributors on the week that was. Dive into the big issues and ideas moving the public conversation, courtesy of The Hub. Again, you can grab that exclusive email newsletter right now, free of charge, at www.thehub.ca. Now back to our program. One of the arguments that you and others have made um, throughout this uh, sustained period of reporting about uh, election and political interference stories in Canada is that uh, our fellow citizens and their families abroad are not themselves threats to committing democracy, quite the opposite. They are the victims of these efforts. And as you say, MP Chong, um, the case for the government to step up here is not merely about pr protecting our democracy, although, of course, that's fundamental, but it's also uh, ensuring that um, Chinese Canadians and others uh, living here in Canada have the same ability to fully participate in our democracy um, and, and with the knowledge that their families abroad are not going to be subject to intimidation, harassment, and even violence. Um, do, do you want to maybe just reflect a bit on, on, on this idea that we you know, at, at its core, this is about protecting Chinese Canadians and others, not um, not viewing them as in somehow, um, you know, disloyal Canadians or, or something else. Absolutely. Look, uh, we have to we have to do two things at once. And w the two things go hand in hand. We have to first stand up for our fellow Chinese Canadians who are being targeted by whether it's the PRC or by others who are uh, targeting them. Uh, and at the same time, we have to stand up to Beijing's threats. And to do one or not the other is to either abandon our fellow 
Canadians of Asian descent, or it's to not address the very real serious threat that Beijing is presenting to us. You know, there's not been a single diplomat expelled for Beijing's meddling in our democracy. There has not been a single individual prosecuted and charged uh, that has been involved with meddling in our democracy, not a single individual. And it's frustrating to see uh, other governments take action. Just recently, the FBI arrested a number of individuals in the United States for the establishment of Uh, among other things, illegal police stations there. One of those individuals was responsible for establishing and setting up an illegal police station here in Canada. Um, But yet the government here has failed to take action. So what happens in that context is that many Chinese Canadians are very scared and worried about speaking up in our own country. They're worried about going to the polls to vote. They're worried about... Uh, taking a public stand on democracy. They're worried about uh, speaking up on, on matters of concern to all Canadians because they, they are worried that they are being tracked by the PRC and that their government is not going to be there in Canada to protect them. To, to that point, j- just say in parentheses, although your particular story is the highest profile one outlined in uh, this morning's Globe and Mail article, there are a number of examples, including cases of international students studying here in Canada and, and others um, who are subjected to similar means of intimidation and threat and harassment. And they don't have, as as you have, the platform to draw attention to their individual experiences and, uh, uh, and um, other means to ensure that uh, ultimately um, they're protected uh, from um, from these cases of, of interference. Let me ask you a penultimate question. You, you, you're, you're such a judicious um, public uh, servant. You may not be prepared to weigh in, but I'd be remiss if I didn't put it to you. We started uh, our conversation talking about the fact that the PRC um, activities seem to be disproportionately targeting conservatives for some of the reasons that you described. Do you think that that may explain uh, at least in part, why the government hasn't taken these um, cases more seriously, that they've come to see them through a, a partisan lens and that they are um, in somehow less uh, relevant as a matter of national interest or national security because it's affecting, um, they're primarily targeting their political opponents? I think the Trudeau government's inaction suggests that they are viewing this through a political lens that they're making political calculations about how these uh, these threats from Beijing are going to benefit uh, the Liberal Party and how they're going to disadvantage the Conservative Party. And I, I think when you look at the totality of evidence, not just with respect to this new information about me and my family, but more broadly about what's happened to former MP uh, Kenny Chu, what's happened uh, to other uh, political actors, one has to uh, conclude that they're viewing these foreign interference threat activities through a partisan lens. And I think that's beyond the pale. Uh, political calculations cannot and never should trump our values or national security. And the duty the Canadian government has to every Canadian to protect them from these threat activities here on Canadian soil.
Um, final question. Um, your statement this morning outlines two steps that you think ought to have happened as soon as the government was, was made aware of, of this particular circumstance. First, of course, that you ought to have been informed. And second, um, that the so-called diplomatic involved ought to have been expelled. At this stage, nearly two years later, uh, what do you think needs to happen? Well, the government needs to come clean uh, with me and other members of parliament about any information they have about them and their families being targeted by the PRC and other authoritarian states. The second thing the government needs to do is they need to declare this particular diplomat persona non grata and expel him from Canada. Uh, he's clearly a foreign intelligence officer that has been tasked by the PRC's Ministry of State Security to intimidate and coerce Canadians here at home and abroad. And that has got to stop immediately. I'm sorry, I said that was my final question. Let me just put one more to you. Pardon me. I know it's a busy day, MP Chang, but um, it seems to me that um, this particular case only reinforces um, the need for a public inquiry that, um, that these different actions on the part of the PRC to interfere in elections, to interfere in this particular case uh, around uh, your leadership on a, on a piece of legislation. You know, what's your view? Does this, does this only uh, underlie the, the need for a, a full public inquiry on um, the degree of, of interference by the PRC and uh, in particular and other authoritarian states in, in Canadian democracy in general? Well, we, we support a public inquiry, uh, provided that public inquiry is uh, based on input, based in terms of its framing of its terms of reference, based on who will head that public inquiry up, provided that those both those those uh, factors are based on input from all the political parties, um, because foreign interference affects not just one party, it affects all political parties. It's really important that if the government is to set up a public inquiry, that they appoint a person that has the support of all political parties and they frame the terms of reference uh, with the support of all the parties. Um, if not, the inquiry is not going to have the legitimacy it needs uh, to do its work. But more important than a public inquiry is we have to is the government of Canada needs to take immediate action. It should take immediate action on the expulsion of diplomats involved with these coercive and intimidation tactics here on Canadian soil, and the government needs to introduce a foreign agents registry in order to give it another tool to uh, prosecute individuals responsible for this behavior. They need to step up law enforcement, uh, which they have been abysmal in supporting. In fact, just several weeks ago, uh, the RCMP botched a case uh, concerning PRC espionage in Canada uh, the case was dropped because of the work from home mandate, where the government wasn't able to get uh, its act together quickly enough uh, to bring this case to trial. And so the judge involved in the trial uh, uh, basically abandoned uh, the case because there wasn't speedy justice. So, you know, on a whole range of measures, the government has more than enough information to take action now. And we should ensure that a public inquiry is just not another effort to bury uh, this problem in a mountain of process. Well, um, MP Chan, I just want to say uh, thanks for your leadership on this on these files. You know, best to you and your family, and thank you so much uh, for joining us at Hub Dialogues. Thanks for having me.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Hub Dialogues, brought to you by The Hub, Canada's leading source for analysis and insights on public policy. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Please share your favorite Hub podcast with friends and family and subscribe wherever you get your audio online. We also appreciate your ratings and reviews. You can access a video version of this recording anytime on YouTube. Simply search for The Hub or The Hub Canada or go to our website, www.thehub.ca. I'm The Hub's Executive Director, Rudyard Griffiths. The host of today's program was Sean Spear, The Hub's Editor-at-Large. This episode was produced by Amal Atar Guzman. The Hub's audio producers are Alex Glutch and David Matta. The Hub podcasts are generously supported by the Ira Gluskin and Maxine Gramowski Gluskin Charitable Foundation and the Linda Frum and Howard Sokolowski Charitable Foundation. Thanks for listening. <laughs>